Hey everyone, this is our Midweek Leadership Podcast. We believe that as you listen to it, it is going to move your life forward. So get ready for an amazing message. Hello everyone, good morning. I'm so honored to be speaking to you all today. I can't believe that, um, that I get this space um, because each of you in your walk with Jesus like inspire me. Um, and just so thankful that we get to do this together, that we build the Church of Jesus Christ together is incredible. Um, and I can't believe um, that of everyone in the world, um, that God picked me and us to be in this church under this vision. Um, I want you guys to know, like, our pastor's vision and their relentless faithfulness is one of a kind, um, is unique and is special. And I remember um, when I was telling my parents that I wasn't going to move to Virginia. We can cut this from the video. Um, like, that was a moment. Um, but they were like, but you can be at a church anywhere. And I, I didn't even have the words then. I probably don't have the words now that, like, um, the purity of vision of seeing heaven coming to earth with no personal agenda and just a faithful yes of obedience is almost unheard of in the world today. And I'm here. And I'm not moving because I'm not leaving that. Um, and so um, I just, I just want to remind us all to keep that fresh because sometimes it seems so normal when we're joking and laughing and our pastors don't want to be put on a pedestal. They want to run right alongside us um, because that's, that's the most incredible space. Um, and so, so thankful for Pastor Ben and Jess and the trust that they have. Um, so thankful to be on this team um, and so thankful to get to share the word of God with you. Guys, first off, this has nothing to do with it, but I hate face ID. It doesn't recognize my face. Okay, moving on. Nehemiah 3.1. Okay, so everybody hates, like, the list of names in the Bible, right? Like, we all skip over that? <laughs> Not today. Okay. Um, then Eliashib, the high priest. If it sounds like I'm cursing, I'm not. Maybe. Um, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which sounds cool, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel all the towers. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zakur, son of Emery. The fish gate, no one wants to go through that, was built by the sons of Hassanah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its boat bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of wall. Beside him, beside him were Meshulam, son of Barakiah, also shouldn't be quoted on any of these, and grandson of Meshazabal, and then Zadok, son of Banna. Next were the people of Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. Y'all, the people of Tekoa, don't mess with them. The old city gate was repaired by Joida, son of Pasia, and Meshulam, son of Basodia. They laid the beams, set up its doors, I'm having too much fun, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Malatiah from Gibeon, Jadon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon, and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Okay, I'm not going to actually go through all of them, but love this list of names, actually, passionately. What I do want us to skip to is verse 12. Shalom, son of Haloesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. I have always been struck by verse 12. Shalom, son of Haloesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. Y'all, there's no other daughters in this list. And I'm not saying this so that all the guys can disconnect and be like, this is a sisterhood message. It is a great sisterhood message. But um, I actually want to talk about Shalom. Um, everybody else had sons. Um, and this was the section of wall across from his house. And instead of saying what he didn't have, 
He looked at what he did have. And he said, ain't nobody else going to repair the wall next to my house but me and my family. Because people are repairing. These are like the gates are being repaired. The wall is being repaired. And everybody has a section. And instead of making an excuse and saying, hey, I'm going to need somebody else to repair this, he and his daughters, and I don't know, I don't know if he had to tell them you can do it. I don't know what the conversation looked like. I don't know if there was a whole lot of pushback, dad, I don't know how to do this. Or I don't know if he had raised his daughters where they were like, actually, dad, you're not doing this alone. We're coming with you. I don't actually know the whole story because it's messy. And I'm sure that there was a messy conversation in there, and there was some leadership in there. And I'm sure that there was some awesome, awesome conversations and some not-so-great ones. And I'm sure that he didn't just decide. I'm sure he had some wrestling to do with the fact that, like, okay, I'm a leader of half of Jerusalem, but I'm going to repair this section with my daughters because my family is going to serve the Lord. My family isn't going to give up what we have been given as a part of this community. Because when the enemies come, they're not going to see that this gate and this wall and all of that's strong, but there's a weakness by my house. No, there's going to be no weakness by my house. Because I'm going to build alongside everybody else. And maybe they were slower, and maybe it looked funny. I'm not sure if the girls were allowed to wear pants when they were, when they were building. I'm not sure if they had to ask a lot of questions and look pretty foolish because they'd never done it before. Because I don't like to look foolish at something I've never done before. But then I found out that there's a lot of times that I've stopped trying something new because I felt like, okay, I'm in my 30s now, so I shouldn't look foolish and like I need to learn from someone younger than me. No, you know what? I want to look stupid. I actually want to look stupid sometimes because then I'm going to try something new because I'm not going to hit 60 and 70 and be, have been doing the same thing I was doing since I was 20. Like I want to I start something new. I want to learn something new. I want to look foolish. I want to look like I don't know what I'm doing. Because I don't want to live my life in the box of what I can handle. That's not, that's not this church. That's not this house. That's not this vision. This is not what we're called to. That's not what Jesus called us to. There was a whole lot of, I think we read the scripture like the disciples knew they were going to build the church. The disciples had no idea what they were doing. They were fishermen who were called to follow Jesus. And then Jesus said, now I'm leaving you. And they were like, what? Like, I don't think you should do that. And they actually, like, rebuked him. We're like, no, Lord, you're going to be here. And he's like, it's better that I do this because the, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. So I don't actually want the knowledge and the experience. I want the Holy Spirit. I don't want to know how to do the thing. I want the Holy Spirit, and I want to give it my best shot. That doesn't mean I don't call on resources. I am sure that they were asking all the questions from the people building on either side of them and being like, how do you do this? And I'm sure they were irritating people too, that they were like, oh my gosh, just let me build it for you. Like, no, we're going to build this ourselves. And this wasn't a sense. So what I don't want you to hear me saying is don't ask for help. Like, I am the queen of having a hard time asking for help. We all know this. We all joke me about it. Thank you, Evan and Noah. Um, but this is not about not asking for help. This is about owning what you've been trusted with. And um, the biggest thing that I took from this is just no excuses. Just no excuses. He had every excuse. The girls had every excuse to not be a part of it. But they're like, I'm not going to miss out on this historic moment to be a part of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. So give me the hammer. I'm going to learn to build. And I'm going to be able to be in this list of names that repaired the wall of Jerusalem. And you know what, guys? For us, like... I actually want to be in the list of names. Because the people named by themselves usually did something crazy that you don't want to be known for. 
The people in the list of names are usually the people that came together and did something bigger than themselves. And so when God writes the story of our time, I want to be in the list of names under Noah Benda and Pam Casey and Andrew Casey and Tiffany Lancaster and Lacey Wilson and Marissa. Like, I want to be in that list of names that says, and they built their section of the wall. And so I think what this looks like, I was thinking about this no excuses. I felt this when I, like, read this, which is hear God say no excuses. And I'm not teaching you this as someone who does not make excuses. I'm teaching you this as someone who is trying to not but continues to do it. And God has to forgive me a 100 times a day. So no excuses. First off, with no excuses, I want us to know this doesn't mean no limitations. There's a difference here. God isn't saying take yourself out of the equation. God isn't saying you have to have no weaknesses. God isn't saying, um, like, never get sleep. God is not saying that there aren't times that you need to ask for help. This, God isn't saying that there aren't times where you don't know how to do something. So this isn't saying no limitations. This is saying no excuses for, the, for, for it. And something on my heart for our generation is the understanding that I think sometimes we can be so people-pleasing, um, so afraid of someone being upset with us, that we forget that actually, like, that's a symptom. That's not the thing. And so let me see if I can actually put words to this. But, like, um, if they didn't, their excuses made sense. And a lot of times our excuses make sense. Their excuses made perfect sense. And actually, if they had told their leader, their leader would have been like, hey, totally get it. Like, let's, let's fill this in. It's not for the leader to validate the excuses. It's for you to say I'm not going to accept an excuse of myself. Um, because there are limitations, and he looked at this and said, okay, we're, we can do this together. Um, and I was thinking of, um, I was just thinking of, like, how many times I've made excuses. Um, and I was listening to um, an incredible leader of our time, John Maxwell, um, and he said, I can take people um, quicker from failure to success than from excuses to success. People don't move from excuses to success. People move from failure to success. And so I would rather try something and fail than, I would, than make excuses that I can't do it. Because actually, most of the time when God asks you to do something, he knows you can't do it. Um, and so, like, I think we're trying too much self-esteem building of, like, I am enough. I am enough. You know what? You are enough in him. But, like, I remember this moment in grad school that I was like, okay, God, I actually think I fooled everybody, and I'm too stupid to be in grad school. And, and God's response God's response, it was hilarious, was like, well, if you're too stupid to be in grad school, you've done a really good job of fooling people. Like, you're the most competent, stupid person. And it made me laugh because God usually responds that way to me. So for everyone who God doesn't talk to you like that, he won't talk to you that way. That would offend you. That made me laugh, and I needed to get my mind off myself. Um, so just don't be offended at God for me. I really appreciated it. Um, because, like, sometimes I, I was, like, focusing so much on, like, I am smart enough. I am. No. If I'm not smart enough, then wow, I'm doing a great job for not being smart enough in grad school, and let's keep trucking. Like, like let's just keep going. Um, maybe you feel like you have more trusted to you than what you can handle. Great. That drives you to your knees. I'm struck by Moses. If you read the story of Moses, he got hit with so much leadership stuff, and it says every time, and Moses fell on his face before the Lord. And Moses fell on his face before the Lord. And then more people came and complained, and Moses fell on his face before the Lord. So, like, just get good at falling on your face. Like, let's just do it. Um, but no excuses. No excuses here. And I was thinking of the times. Um, I was, there's, like, two stories from pastors um, that I just am obsessed with. Um, one of them, Pastor Jess doesn't know I'm sharing. Love you, Pastor Jess. Um, but this is, like, something that is almost um, 
has almost become like a mantra for me. Um, she was getting a picture of Watson when he's one years old. I think Marty was actually taking it. Um, and he, um, he just wasn't sitting still. Nothing was happening. And like she kept trying different ways, different ways, different ways. And he was just like not handling it. And she didn't lose face. She didn't get frustrated. She was like, there is more than one way to skin a cat. And like just kept going. And like had like toys, was holding him, had a treat, had like a snack. Let's take a snack. Let's try this. But the thing that stuck in my mind was there's no more than one way to skin a cat. And um, I know that sounds funny, but that's literally been my mantra for no excuses. That like she could have sat back and given up, but she was like, okay, the goal is this. Now she tried a hundred different ways. And my, my thing is I'll keep trying the same way. And when it doesn't work, then I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. And I think God's like, I think God's like, you know what? There's more than one way to skin a cat. So like, okay, if I'm trying to build a team, um, we've talked about this a lot on kids' team because there's a lot of Saturday night calls and there's a lot of 8.30 a.m. calls. And it's like, you do know it's like almost service. Um, but like, there's a lot of those. And instead of being frustrated, it's like, okay, let's brainstorm. Let's think together. And we've talked about like, okay, reach out to your, like, I think this is, really good for all of us, because Tiffany and Philip are incredible at it, they are constantly being creative, because the thing that doesn't shift is that there will be leaders in those rooms to take care of kids, and I don't know if everybody knows this, but Tiffany and Philip are rock stars. The fact that they are always leaders to take care of the kids is incredible, and they are so good, and actually it would be easier if they just put themselves in the rooms, but then once they do that, they've already, like, minimize their margin of if something else happens, they're stuck in a room. And so they're so good for it. And actually, it's easier if they position themselves in a room. But instead, they're always getting creative of like, okay, well, we could ask this person, or we could ask this person, we could shift this over. And then, they, then they're asking like other team captains, other team leads. And they're saying like, hey, do you know of anyone? They're not asking to steal anyone. They are saying, do you know of someone that maybe said they can't serve there today, but they're serving someone else, or they could do this thing, or we could do this thing. Like they are constantly thinking through how do I make this happen? So what doesn't change is the mission. What does change is the method. We can try 100 methods to make the mission happen. So what I'm not saying is don't have limitations. What I am saying is reach out and figure out your resources. He didn't have sons. He had daughters. That's awesome. You can build with daughters. And I'm thinking, like, like maybe for you, you're thinking, okay, I don't know what's like, I don't know if I can do this when you're asked something. Sometimes we're asked something that feels too big for us, and our first response is resentment. And I just want us to be able to, like, overcome that hurdle. Um, and I'm saying that from a spot of, like, sometimes I have that problem where I'm asked to do something I don't know how to do. And my first response is, like, well, how dare they ask that of me? Um, and instead of being, like, I got trusted. That person's actually placing more value on me than I'm placing on myself. They for sure think I can do this, so maybe I can do this. Maybe I can handle this. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have to also figure out how to feed your kids or whatever it is or make sure your bills are paid, make sure your house is clean. you got to do all the things, but maybe somebody else saw more capacity in you than you saw in yourself. And so instead of being offended that someone asked you to repair a section of the wall that's going to defend your city, we say thank you for the trust. Thank you for the trust to serve. Thank you for the trust you have in me. Thank you for the belief you have in me. Thank you for the fact that you see something in me that I don't see in myself. And so I'm going to step out. And if I fail, I'd rather fail than make an excuse about it. So I just feel thank you for the trust. Because I was also thinking, you know what? Sometimes we think of like, oh, like someone else should do it. But like my family's the one being protected by the wall. My family's the one that if there's a weakness outside my house, they're coming in at my house. And 
I want to be a part of building for everyone. But sometimes when you step out and serve and say, like, okay, I'm going to do this for someone else, you realize you actually repaired the part of the wall that defends your own family. I think of in this house, um, we, have, we have family come, but they stayed. They came once because of us. They stayed because of other people. And they stayed because of other people that we'd actually poured into, that we didn't know our family was on the other side. And I think of the fact that, like, um, Adrian's dad discipled someone in Rhode Island that then discipled his son in Austin that led Adrian into ministry. So Adrian's dad discipled Pastor Earl. And Pastor Earl met Adrian in Austin. When Adrian would not have become my husband, he was trying to figure out what was happening in his life and had had a really hard time in school and, like, wasn't sure what his future looked like. Got discipled by Pastor Earl and Pastor Ben in Austin, Texas. Because both men had gone to ORU, he came up here to ORU, not to serve at a church, to go to ORU because the two men he trusted the most had gone to ORU. And he came the same year I did. Where he's five years older than me. It doesn't make sense. And I met him and married the man that God had called me to. And now there were some funny other stories in there, for sure. But <laughs> some hilarious moments because freshman year, we were not interested at all. It took two years. But, but when you honor what God's trusted you with, often... God then shows you this was actually outside of your house and you never knew it because God's not not seeing you when you ask you to serve someone else. He's seeing you the most. God isn't not seeing your life and your kids and your future and your house and your finances when he asks you to give. He's actually seeing that better than you are. So build the wall outside of your house. Build what you have. Build slow. Look foolish, but keep moving because God can move us faster from failure to success excuses to success. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get going. Father God, we love you, God. God, we can't actually do this. This is inspiring. This is encouraging. This is what we want, God. But, but it's so hard to keep working out when we're tired, to keep working out when we've been disappointed, to keep working out when we have failed, to keep working out when we don't know how it's going to work, to keep working out when all we see is lack. God, I just pray for your eyes, for everyone in this room and everyone who can hear my voice your vision, that in those moments where we experience lack, God, that instead of trying to bolster ourselves up, we would fall on our face before you and say, Holy Spirit, if you can use anybody, you can use me. If you can do anything, you can do it through me. And I'm willing and I'll move, but I'm going to need you to show me the way and show me the how. Pray for your anointing. Pray for your abundance. We're so thankful for your presence and how much you love us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, church, we hope this message has pushed you forward in your leadership and your relationship with God. We can't wait to see you this Sunday or in a connect group. Have an amazing week. We'll see you then.